This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. We're going to begin our hour of mystery with Barry Craig, confidential investigator. We'll hear the case of the naughty necklace, his story from November 28th, 1951. After that, it's Rogue's Gallery and the House of Fear. That story aired November 15th, 1945. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. The trouble with murder as an occupation, folks, is that it doesn't last very long. In no time at all, you come to a dead end. National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. An investigator's license costs only a few bucks. When you're starting in the business, you've got ambition. So you have the license put under glass and framed. You spend a couple of hours deciding on the best place to hang it. Then you find out all you've done is bought yourself a front seat for the back stairs. But you also find out an awful lot of people use the back stairs. It's open. Craig? Yeah. You alone? There are mice. Uh, they're tame, though. I uh, wonder if you're the man I'm looking for, Craig. You'll have to figure that out by yourself. It says confidential investigator on your door. I had that put on myself. Maybe I was boasting. Small place. Hmm. What's this door? Leads to the back stairs. Yes? You want to look under the desk, too? I have to be careful. How much money do you make a month? Not enough to have my clothes made by your tailor. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps you'll do. Thanks. This is what you'll work with. An envelope? Take a look inside. All right. Money. Got it. Uh-huh. Five thousand. Yes. I want you to buy a necklace for me, Craig. For five thousand dollars? That's right. You got any preferences in necklaces? A girl named Wendy Harper has the one I want. She lives at the Beecham Towers Hotel. Maybe she's got more than one. I don't know. The necklace is pearl. You buy it from her, turn it over to me, and collect 500. You don't like the Beach and Towers Hotel? Well, what's that got to do you with You could it? go over there, buy the necklace yourself, and save my fee. I could also be sued for divorce. Meaning you can't afford to be seen with her. Fair enough. I'd like a receipt for the 5,000. Sure. Received from... From? You don't need that. How will I get in touch with you? I'll phone you. Okay. Your receipt. Thanks. I suggest you begin work at once. Right. Oh, one thing. Yes? Suppose she doesn't want to sell. She'll sell. You're sure the necklace is worth five grand? Yes, I should be. I gave it to her. I congratulated myself cautiously. A case a week like this, and I could start getting my clothes tailored, too. 
I locked the office door. Who knows? Word might get around. I was a man people handed $5,000 to. It would give the entire building, all three moldering stories of it, class. Burglars might start dropping in. Oh, hello, Jake. Hey, Mr. Craig. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, I'm going down. Don't rush it. Elevator's got to have time to rest. After the long pull? Yeah. Better rest your horse at the end of a furrow, you know. Jake, forget about that farm in Vermont, will you? You're in the big city now. I'd rather have a horse. If you was in such a hurry, why didn't you walk down? Too proud. I've just moved into the upper income bracket. That's so? Thanks. By the way, Jake, uh, did you notice the man you took down from my floor a couple of minutes ago? No. Had your nose buried in the farmer's almanac? I didn't take nobody down. Oh. Well, that was my client. Who was? The man you didn't take down. I don't suppose you took him up either. No. Used the stairs both times. The back stairs. Hmm? Jake. Yeah? When was the last time those back stairs were swept? I don't know. I only been here six months. Yeah. Mr. Craig. What? Must get kind of lonely up there on the third floor. Sort of. Why? Oh, just wondering. You sure you had a client? <laughs> I smiled at Jake. I could feel a fat envelope in my pocket. $5,000 carries a lot of conviction. Good afternoon, sir. Miss Harper, is she expecting you? Phone up to her and she will be. Yes, sir. The name? Craig. Uh, one moment, sir. Miss Harper? Uh, there's a gentleman here to see you, uh, Mr. Craig. Yes, of course, Miss Harper. Uh, 407, Miss Harper's expecting you. Thanks. The Beecham Towers was a lot nicer looking than the building on 23rd. But then I didn't use the back stairs. Miss Harper, I figured, was leaving it all up to me. 407 was a suite. You walk past the small foyer before you hit the living room. It was a nice living room. The furniture was modern and bright. There was a wrong note, though. Miss Wendy Harper. She was on the couch. She looked modern and bright, too. The wrong note? She happened to be dead. Her eyes were open. For a minute, I had the impression they were looking at me. I couldn't decide if they liked what they saw or if they were looking over my shoulder the way I should have looked. The house detective. Good for you. Now you're in my way. You're not coming in. Now listen, the old lady in the next suite heard a woman screaming from here. When? A few minutes ago. She needs new batteries for a hearing aid. What time is it? 7.30. Nobody screamed in here for at least a couple of hours. Where's Miss Harper? She's in. I want to talk to her. You're going to be disappointed. 
Miss Harper's in no mood for conversation. I'd like her to tell me that. Lots of things we'd like just never happen. Hey, what's that? You want to get in here? Take my advice. Call a cop. Hey. I slammed the door shut to Clancy's face. Clancy was guessing. He wasn't sure. Maybe I was just a boyfriend with a temper. He'd stand around and wonder what to do for a while before trying to come into the room again. That gave me time enough to go through the suite, make sure it was empty, make sure Miss Harper was still dead. She was. They don't come alive very often. And then check on a pearl necklace. There wasn't one around. I hadn't figured there would be. By that time, I was in a hurry. This time, I was the one for the back stairs. I was picking up time with every step I took. But time for what? The back door led to an alley. I had Ashcan for company. A man named Nothing, whom no one had seen for a client. And a crude frame-up for murder as a future. I had no optimism about my chances for playing tag with the homicide squad. The cops had a name for me. I had no name for the man who'd sent me to visit a dead girl. No name, no lead, nothing but a hope. That whoever had set up the deal would be too impatient to wait for the morning papers. Up the street, the Marines were coming. I said goodbye to the alley before they could land. Made the other side of the street. And waited. The hotel was on a quiet street. No crowd. Nobody watched the cops pour into the hotel. Nobody but me and a small man pretending he was part of a doorway down the street. The last cop went into the hotel and the small man abandoned the doorway. He didn't know it, but he had me for company. It was easy. The small man wasn't worrying. According to the general idea, I was being interviewed by a dozen cops at the moment. He led me across town with no trouble. The address was 5413 East 79th Street. The house was old. The ivy on its walls was probably hand-picked. The small man used the servant's entrance. I decided to be formal. A brass plate under the doorbell read John Peter Kendall. I thought he'd be surprised to see me on his doorstep. I was surprised. Yes? Uh, Mrs. Kendall? I'm Mrs. Kendall. Good. Uh, I think you're... You're excused. Better shut the door. Are you a salesman? <laughs> Not exactly. Well, you're big enough, heaven knows, but you don't look very dangerous. So? Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kendall home? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I guess it is a pretty large house. <laughs> it is. Also, John and I don't get on very well together. Why am I telling you this? Maybe because I look reliable and a little stupid. <laughs> Silly. It's not very hospitable keeping you out here in the hall. It's not. But, uh... I intend to continue doing it unless you can give me a reason. For your being here, I mean. I do insurance work. Oh? Your husband hired me to trace some property of his. Well, he must have been very anxious about it if he asked you to come here at this hour. He was anxious. Strange. Why? Dear John has so much property. Well, this was something special. And, uh, confidential? It used to be. What does that mean? Lost any pearl necklaces recently, Mrs. Kendall? Why... Yes, I did. That's what he wanted me to trace. Oh. Please come with me, Mr... Uh... Jones. Jones. 
wait here a moment? All right. Mr. Jones. Yes? This is the necklace I lost. It looked like five grand, too. Mrs. Kendall, her price tag wasn't showing. Well, Mr. Jones. When did you get it back? John brought it to me, perhaps an hour ago. An hour ago? Then he is home. He said you might go out for a stroll. I didn't try to translate. A stroll in John's peculiar vocabulary could mean almost anything. You asked him where he got the necklace? No. I assumed he'd hired someone like you to find it for him. Mr. Jones. Yes? What are you really after? Will you see if your husband's home, please? All right. Mr. Jones. What? Are you sure you're doing something for my husband? Not to him? She didn't wait for an answer. It was very still in the Kendall home. I wondered how well Kendall had covered his relationship to Wendy Harper. Pretty well, I thought. There were no cops around. Mrs. Kendall was taking a long time. Too long a time. Mrs. Kendall! Mrs. Kendall! Where's the light? No, no, we might shoot again. Never mind. Go on. The light switch, the wall to your left. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, right. Shh. What? I, I, I was talking to Max. He's our handyman. I, I'd asked him about John. That's Max over there? Yes. Max started to tell me something about... Oh, it's crazy. About a hotel. When John opened the door, he'd been listening. He had a gun. It was dreadful. Here, sit down. I'll have to take a look at Max. All right. Why, I don't know. He's been there or something. He was staring at me as though he were terrified. And then the door opened behind him. I could see John's face. And after that, the shots came. You'll have to phone the police. I? Yeah, I can't stay. I've got a date. Mrs. Kendall, where would your husband go if he didn't want to be found? John? I don't know. I don't know. You must know. A man as wealthy as he is. Well, he's got a place on the Sound. It's only a shack, sort of a boathouse. What's the address? Riverview Road, right off the parkway. I'll find it. You'll be all right. The police will... Mr. Jones, why was Max shot? Why? (laughs) My benefit, mostly. Your benefit? Yeah, his death moves me right out of the chair. I don't understand. You don't have to, for right now. I've got an errand to run, to convey thanks and make a payment. Hey, Bud. Yeah? Kind of late to be driving out to the Sound, ain't it? You mind? Nah, I don't mind. As long as you got the fare. I've got the fare. Only reason I brung it up is, uh, not many cars going out this way this time of night. Yeah, I guess so. So the, uh, car behind us must be tailing us. Car behind? Yeah. Been there last half an hour. It's got one headlight weaker than the other, kind of stuck in my mind. Don't worry about it. I don't want no trouble. There won't be any for you. Riverview Road, bud. Is that the shack up ahead? Yeah. The other car. Didn't swing around a fence. Was with us up until then. Nice. How much do I owe you? A couple of bucks. Here you are. Thanks. 
How about me hanging around for a while? No, it might discourage my friend. The guy on your tail? Uh-huh. Good night. Good night. Craig, Barry Craig. Recognize the name, Mr. Kendall? Uh, what do you want? Hard talking through a door. Don't try anything, Craig. You don't need that gun. Let's not agree about that. It's cold out here. Come in. Slowly. Thanks. Over there at the table. Sit down. Okay. Put both hands on the table, please. Everybody knows all the angles nowadays, except maybe me. Why did you come out here? I had a report to make. Report? Sure, don't you remember? You hired me. Oh, well, I... Funny thing. Nine times out of ten, people who hire me don't expect me to believe them. Or to carry out their orders exactly the way they gave them. They're always working on an angle. What's so funny about that? I always believe my clients. I do my best to carry out their orders the way they say they want them to be. That gets me into more trouble. You're wasting time. And you don't have much time left? You... You said you had a report to make. Sorry. That necklace you hired me to get. Well? Back in your wife's possession. You... You gave it to her? No, you did. It's a little late for jokes. No jokes. You can check with your wife. Not only that, Mr. Kendall, the whole deal worked out a lot cheaper than you expected. What do you mean? $5,000 is a lot of money. One girl's life, a lot cheaper. You, you've still got the money? Yeah. Now, don't reach. Stop being so nervous. I was just getting this. $5,000. And, Wendy? What do you think? Well, I don't understand what you mean. You've had time enough to get here, so I'd better get rid of this light. <laughs> Your gun, Kendall. I'll need it. Don't pull around, Kendall. It's dark in here. Our mystery man outside hasn't got artillery on a revolver. We're safe for right now. Well, I don't know what's happening. Shut up. He's moving around. Waiting. We can wait, too. Yes, but for what? He's got to make up his mind. If we're dead or not, you'll have to check. Till then, let's chat, huh? A man comes into my office, hands me five grand, instructs me to buy a pearl necklace from a girl in a hotel. Oh, I don't... My story. The guy uses the back stairs, doesn't leave his name. I take the dough, get to the hotel, walk into the girl's suite, and get knocked out. The girl is dead. Yes, but you I didn't... keep interrupting. I wake up to find the old lady next door has heard a woman scream and yelled for the house stick. He's at the door. He's supposed to walk in, find the dead girl, and me with 5,000 bucks in cash on me. He calls homicide, and I tell my story to them. How do you think they go for it? I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know. overdo it. It's plain enough. My client is a work of the imagination, they say. I knock the girl off her a dough. Very simple and very pretty. Well, then, then who is that outside? When I got to the hotel, I had to be announced. The clerk called upstairs. He held a conversation with Miss Harper. He told me she said it was okay to go on up. But Wendy Harper was already dead. Well, then... Then... Shh. Junior's making his bid. Okay, drop it. What? I said drop it, Junior. You've got the moonlight behind you. No. I don't like it, but... Oh! 
Got a match candle? Uh, yes, yes, I have. Let's have a light then, huh? Oh, all right. Over here. Yeah, the hotel clerk. He's registered his last guest. Death. John Peter Kendall didn't have any comments to make. He stared at the dead clerk as though he'd never seen a corpse before. Maybe he hadn't. He was my client, wasn't he? Let's get out of here. Yes, but what about him? He's dead. Well, isn't there something we should do? There's nothing you do about the dead. Well, I mean, he was killed. Yeah? Well, the police? You're in the clear on this particular death. What are you worrying about? I suppose you know better than I. Also, I've got the gun, so... All right. Yeah. The clerk's car is out here. How about yours? I came here by cab. That can be checked. I still say I came here by cab. Okay, we'll borrow the car. Hold it. That's on this road. The police. Sounds like them. Of course, they could be on their way to a ball. Would you like to stay and chat with them? No, no. No, there, there, there are too many things. I, I'm confused. Where's Riverview Road lead? To the city. I mean the other way. Well, it sort of, sort of peters out about a half mile from here. No good. We'll take one look at the cops and come after us. With the road a dead end only a half mile away, we'd be finished. Come on. Well, we... We could drive toward the city. You think they'd let us pass if they're heading here? Forget it. We'll leave the car where it is. Who planted these trees? I had them put there. Oh, good for you. You should have planted them a little more thickly, however. We get in among them. Ah, this ought to be good enough. But any search would... Find us? Sure. But maybe... Uh-oh, here they come. A squad car and a taxi. Yeah, the cab I came out in. The driver spotted the clerk tailing me. He must have hung around down the road and heard the shots, then went back to town and collected police. Well, they've checked the car. Empty. Now for the house. In a half dozen seconds, they'll be popping out of there looking for us. Come on! Maybe we can make the cab. The driver left it out in the road proper. What good does that do? The the squad car... Don't worry about that. Get into the cab and start it. All right. Me, I'm going to be nasty to a tire. Yeah. Get going. Fine. Well, what did you do? Screw the tire valve open on the squad car. The clerk's car is blocked off. So they'll have to change the tire. Maybe we'll have enough time. The police won't like it. How very true. You know, Mr. Kendall, I'm in trouble. Not only am I wanted for murder, but now for committing a nuisance on police property. close enough to hear the cops discuss their flat tire. I think their language would have been frightful. Hey, take it easy, Mr. Kendall. We don't want a ticket, too. We're almost back in the city. Where do you want to go? Home and sleep, but not just yet. Well, then let's make it your home, huh? My home? The mansion you and your wife play hide-and-seek in, except both of you seem to be hiding rather than seeking. If you don't mind, I could do without your wit. So could I if I had any. Mr. Kendall? Yes? The whole thing started with a necklace, a pearl necklace. Right. You didn't bother telling me it had belonged to your wife before you passed it on to Wendy Harper. It hadn't belonged to my wife. And why all the anxiety about getting it back? Well, she found out about it through the jeweler where I bought it. I had to pretend I'd gotten it for her as a surprise. 
That meant you had to get it back from Wendy. It would have looked bad in the divorce case. And Wendy wouldn't part except for five grand? That's right. Do we have to? We do. Come on. Better not ring. Your handyman wouldn't answer. Max? He's dead, too. What? Use your key. Why, I, I can't take much more of it. There won't be much more. Go on. Hello, Mrs. Kendall. Mr. Craig. Mr. Jones. And John. You started to say Mr. Craig. What? The name is Craig. Where are the cops? The... Oh, about Max. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't phoned them yet. I was ill after you left. Terribly ill. I still don't feel right. That hotel clerk doesn't feel right either. What hotel clerk? You sound like... like Max. The one who sent me up to Wendy Harper's room. The one who had a conversation with Wendy Harper after she was dead. This is all completely, completely... Isn't it? John, what's happening? Why are you staring at me like that? He doesn't love you anymore. Oh, you... No, no, no. Let's keep it genteel. Kendall? Yes? Call some cops, huh? Police? Yeah. They want to take Max to the morgue. Max who led me to your wife and died for it. And even more... They'll want your wife. It had been a long evening. I'd stayed ahead of homicide for a while, but they always catch up. Craig. Well, Lieutenant Trav Rogers. Give me one good reason why your license shouldn't be revoked. Mrs. Joanne Kendall. I said a good reason. What else could I have done, Trev? You're not trying to tell me you were afraid of the frame. I never tried to tell a lieutenant of homicide anything. No, I wasn't. But I had a job to do. I got it done, too. You could have been killed in the process. Oh, there's a law against that. Oh. Craig, we got the whole thing laid out. The Kendall woman moved in on what looked like a perfect opportunity to get rid of Wendy Harper, frame you for the killing, and have a club over her husband's head for the rest of his life. Because he'd hired you, all she had to do was threaten to tell us about that, and he'd be tied in. Well, where did you get the bright idea it was Mrs. Kendall who set you up, and not her husband? Clancy, the house dick at the Beecham Towers. Huh? He came up and told me an old lady had heard a woman scream a couple of minutes before I regained consciousness. The Harper girl had been dead for hours then. So it had to be Mrs. Kendall screaming. To get Clancy up and you arrested. Mm-hmm. Come on. Buy me a beer. Well, we'll go out and have beers, but what makes you think it's going to be on me? You just made 500 bucks, remember? Holy smokes. What now? I forgot to collect. Good night, folks. See you next week. have been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, The Case of the Naughty Necklace, was written by Lou Vittes. Next week, it's the strange story of paper bullets about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, folks, I find out that words can be bullets. When two prize-winning authors do their literary best to prove the gun is mightier than the pen. See you next week, folks.
featured in the role of Mrs. Kendall was Barbara Weeks. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Now enjoy Meredith Wilson's Music Room on NBC. The F's W. Fitch Company presents Dick Powell as Private Detective Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Oh, I'd like to get my hands on that cup that got me through the shoulder last night. Too bad it was through the shoulder, Mr. Kane. It should have been through your heart. You know, I like you. I like my women with a lot of spirit. I may just take you with me when I make my break from here. You'll have to kill me first. Oh, company. Come in and keep your hands right on that tray. I'd hate to have to shoot a beautiful girl like you. I brought up some coffee. That's thoughtful of you. Keep your hands in the air and stay away from me. Don't take any chances, Sandra. This fiend would rather shoot you than not. Rogue speaking. That little scene takes me back to a night a couple of months ago. The night I met some scared people in a seaside mansion. In just a minute, I'm going to tell you the story of the House of Fear. But first, here's Jim Doyle. Just talking about a grand product like Fitch's No Brush Shaving Cream isn't really enough. We can tell you what a cool, solid comfort shave it gives, but you won't really know what this comfort is until you use Fitch's No Brush. The very instant you spread this rich, smooth cream on your face, you can tell the difference. You see, it contains a special skin conditioner ingredient that immediately lubricates your skin. Even men with super-sensitive skin find that the skin conditioner ingredient keeps their faces from feeling irritated. Then, when you start to shave, you'll find how easily your razor glides along, even against the grain of a tough beard. After you've finished... Your face will feel cool and refreshed, and you'll know what we mean when we say Fitch's No Brush gives a solid comfort shave. You men who prefer a lather cream will like Fitch's Brush Cream. It gives an abundant, dense lather that stays moist all during the shave. It doesn't become dry and make your face feel parched and uncomfortable. Fitch's Brush and Fitch's No Brush Shaving Cream come in generous 25 and 50 cent sizes. Try it for real shaving comfort. Thank you, Jim. And now, I'd like to go on with my story. Okay, here's Dick Powell as Private Detective Richard Rogue in another personally conducted tour through... Rogue's Gallery. Remember that scene you just heard? Well, one day a couple of months ago, I was in my office playing a bit of gin rummy with Herb Heidi, the bookie from the cigar store in the lobby, when Mr. J. McDonald called from the Great Western Insurance Company. I knew what he wanted. I'd read the morning papers. 
I hated to leave the game because uh, I was winning for some reason, known only to Herb Heidi, who plays cards with all the warm human abandon of an adding machine. But I have learned to love a cash case like a bookie loves a losing horse, and uh, Great Western Insurance is a good client. So I picked up my $2.35 winnings and made tracks for the plush offices of Mr. J. McDonald. Sit down, Mr. Rogue. I have a case I want to discuss with you. Well, thank you. Uh, what's on the fire, Mr. McDonald? I suppose you read of the theft of the Somaliland diamond from the home of James E. Lee? Oh, sure, sure. Last night during a party given by his granddaughter, Sandra Lee. That much I know. The Great Western had that diamond covered, Mr. Rogue. It was insured for $50,000. $50,000. No kidding. Mm, well, that's a lot of money. Must have been some diamond. We're offering $5,000 reward for the recovery of the stone. It's one of the largest in existence. Well, uh, bring me up to date a little, will you? It was a slip crane job, wasn't it? The papers used his name. That's right. Three members of the family identified him from Rogue's Gallery Pictures. There's no doubt that he was the man. He had an accomplice, but we have no line on him at all. And all you want me to do is pinch Crane and get the uh, Somaliland diamond back, right? Yes. Crane left the Lee mansion in a yellow convertible sedan, which the police found wrecked between the Lee estate and Los Angeles. There was blood on the seat, and it's thought that either Crane or his accomplice was wounded. They're believed to be here in the Los Angeles area. Huh? They haven't made any attempt to run the police blockade. Okay, Mr. McDonald, if he's here in this town, I'll have him. And that's all the information I have for you, Rogue. I've had our auditor make you out a check for $1,000. Oh? That's your retainer. Hmm. Of course, if you do manage to recover the diamond, there will be another $4,000 due you. Oh, oh, uh-huh. Thanks. And here are your credentials, identifying you as our investigator. And now, Mr. Uh, Rogue... Remember, you're... I'm not promising anything. Oh, yes, there is one more thing. The Lee family has been extremely uncooperative today. Extremely so. They practically refuse to talk with either the newspapers or the police. Well, how do you figure that? I mean, uh, what do you suppose is their angle? That is what we are paying you to discover, Mr. Rogue. It was about five in the afternoon when I took off the Lee mansion which was a show place up the coast about 20 miles. Old Man Lee is, uh, is an eccentric millionaire. His picture is always in the Rodegavir section with his two granddaughters, Sandra and Virginia, who live with him. A heavy fog billowed in about 10 minutes before I reached the Lee house, and drove, I drove the rest of the way by air. By the time I pulled up at the house, my windshield was colored like the side of a battleship and was just about as easy to see through. So I parked in the circular driveway and ran up on the huge front porch. Yes? Richard Rogue, uh, I want to see Mr. Lee, please. I'm sorry, Monsieur Lee is not in. Hmm. Well, then I'd like to see Miss Sandra Lee, then. I'm sorry, Miss Sandra is not in. Oh? Huh? Well, I'll just take a look. Oh, no, no, you cannot come in. Oh, you could be wrong, dear. There. Uh-huh. I'm in. Who is it, Marie? This man is trying to force his way in, Monsieur Lee. Oh, good evening, Mr. Lee. I hope you remember me. Richard Rogue? Oh, the detective. Of course. Thank you very much, Marie. Come into the study, Mr. Rogue. I, uh, hope you don't think I'm a heathen walking in here like this, Mr. Lee. It's my business, you know. I I had to see you. Oh, I suppose so. It's about that darn Somaliland diamond. I tell you, Mr. Rogue, we've just been pestered to death all day long about that robbery. 
I finally had to tell the police and the newspaper people to go away and let me alone. Well, I, I don't like to be a pest, but... Uh, oh, we have another guest, Sandra, my dear. The detective, Richard Rogue. Mr. Rogue, I'd like you to meet my granddaughter, Sandra Lee. We've met, Grant. And Mr. Rogue, I'd like to introduce you to John Wood. He's a house guest. I'm very happy to know you, Mr. Wood. Thank you. I suppose you're here to question us about the Somerville Diamond. Well, that's, uh, that's my job, Miss Lee. I suppose it is. Now, now, Sandra, please... Oh, my goodness. Oh, Grant, stop fidgeting. We're terribly tired of talking about the robbery, Mr. Rogue. We've talked with the police and reporters by the dozens. And, well, there's just not anything left to say. You must understand, Rogue, that Mr. Lee has been driven to the verge of a breakdown by this affair. Can't you give your information from the police? No, no, I can't. You know, I can see why you're tired of explaining what happened, but I'm in a little different position than the newspaper boys. I represent the insurance company, they had that diamond covered for $50,000, and naturally, they're quite interested in knowing the facts of the case. I assure you, Mr. Rogue, that I have no intention of filing a claim against the insurance company. Oh? No intention at all. I just don't want to hear any more about the diamond or the robbery. But, Mr. Lee... Oh, Mr. please, Mr. Rogue. It's Graham's own business if he wants to take the loss, isn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose it is, but it's a little unusual. And I don't think he should make any such decision under the present circumstances. It's easy to see that you're all upset and jittery, but... Uh, and with good I... reason, really, Mr. Rogue. Mr. Lee has not been well. Couldn't you talk with him tomorrow? No. I'm, uh... I'm sure you won't mind, Mr. Lee, if I have a chair here in front of the fireplace. It's... No. That's a terrible night out. Had a tough drive the last few miles. Fog is awful. Yes, I have noticed that the fog is in a little heavier than usual tonight. It's depressing, isn't it? Fog on top of everything else. Oh, Mr. Rogue, I'm so upset. Maybe you'd better start back to town, Mr. Rogue. Be slow going in this fog. What's the matter with you, Miss Lee? You're not the hysterical type. Will you please leave, Mr. Rogue? No. I'm an investigator, and I've got a job to do. I'd be a lousy investigator if I didn't try to get to the bottom of this situation. Who are you protecting? What are you afraid of? Are you accusing us of complicity in the disappearance of that diamond? I don't even know you, Mr. Wood. I'm talking to the Lees. I'm not accusing them of anything. Look, Mr. Lee, crime is my business. I know how to deal with crime and criminals. Why don't you tell me what's on your mind, Mr. Lee? I'm sorry, Mr. Rogue. But as far as I and, and my family are concerned, the theft of the Somaliland Diamond is a closed matter. I have my reasons now. Please go. Yes, you, you can't do any good thing here. Where's your other granddaughter, Mr. Lee? Where's Virginia? She's returned to her school in the city. Oh, I see. Oh, Graham, please, make now, it please. Now, dear... I'm sure Mr. Rogue will be going. Did you arrange, monsieur? Yes, Marie. Will you please show Mr. Rogue to the door? Okay, okay, okay. But uh, if you ever feel like you need any help in whatever it is that's forcing you to act like this, Mr. Lee, call me, will you? I'll be waiting for your call. Yes. Yes, I will. I'm sorry, Mr. Rogue. Good night. Good night. Good night, Miss Lee and Mr. Wood. Good night. Good night. This way, monsieur. Monsieur Rogue, you are the detective? Yes, that's right. There are strange things going on in this house, monsieur Rogue. There is much trouble. Yeah? Can you tell me about it, Marie? Well, I... Marie? Uh, yes, monsieur Wood? Mr. Lee wants to see you in the library. Good night, Mr. Rogue. <laughs> As I got in my car and sneaked down the hill through the fog, I told myself I was wasting my time. 
that I was looking for a man named Slip Crane, the jewel thief, that I had no business getting mixed up in the family affairs of the Lees. There was a filling station and general store at the spot where the highway joined the private road that led up to the Lee estate. Sam's filling station for you and your car. I stopped in there for a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Great night to be driving around, mister. Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, uh, give me a slice of that pumpkin pie, will you? Why, sure. Here you are. Just came down the hill from the Lee house, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, sir, there was plenty of excitement around here last night. Yep, cops all over the place. Newspaper men. Best business have done in years. The whole district is still full of cops. They've thrown up a roadblock in every direction. Hey, you policeman? That profession. You working on the case? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That must have been some diamond. Mm. You know, those Lees are nice people. The old man's a little fidgety, but the rest of them are swell people. Well, he's all right, too. Yes, sir, nice guy. You know them? Know them? Why, sure know them. Known them all for years. The kids, Sandra, Virginia, have been eating my hamburgers ever since they was old enough to toddle down here. Yeah? You know what school Virginia goes to up in the city? Why, sure. Same one Sandra used to go to. Hmm. Uh, let me see, uh, Mrs. Whipple's school. Oh, well, thanks. Hey, uh, what's the toll charge to call the city? Uh, two bits for the first three minutes. There's a phone booth right over there. Thank you. Yes, sir, those little Lee girls are the salt of the earth. I've known them for ten years, I guess. Knew the daddy well, too. Went to school with him. He's a colonel now, an eagle colonel in Washington. Big shot. Hello, operator. Please get me Briargate 63645 in the city. Oh, hello. I, uh, I would like to speak with Virginia Lee, please. Miss Lee? Why, well, I'm sure she isn't here. She's at her grandfather's home up the coast. She is? Are you sure? Oh, yes. Uh, just a minute. Miss Lee is she? Yes. Miss Lee is not expected back until Monday morning. Thank you. Get your party? Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, give me another cup of coffee, will you, Sam? Why, sure. Oh, uh, tell me, Sam, uh... I know the whole Lee family, except Virginia. She's only about 14, isn't she? Jenny? Oh, no. Oh, she's 19 or 20. Mm. 20, I think. She's a wild one, that youngster. She's all for having fun. Nothing at all like her sister, Sandra. Oh. Well, I guess I'll be on my way. Can't sit here all night. I don't envy your drive, none. Better take it easy in that fog. It was all as plain as a nose on an anteater's face now. They told me Virginia was back at her school. She wasn't. Sam told me Virginia was a wild one. I knew Slip Crane. He was a smoothie. So one and one makes two, and these two were Virginia Lee and Slip Crane. She'd run away with him. That's why the old man didn't want the case followed any further. That's why he was willing to take the loss rather than have the police arrest his daughter with Slip Crane when they caught him for the theft of the Somaliland diamond. I got in my jalopy and drove back to the Lee estate. I wanted to have a talk with that maid, Marie. I parked at the turn in the driveway and walked through the fog toward the servant's cottage at the rear of the main house. 
I could see a halo of light back there pointing its fingers through the haze. I headed for it across the lawn. I heard a movement behind me and then... Oh. Oh, I caught my dream train for Cloud 8. And who was waiting for me there? It was my alter enemy, Yugor. <laughs> In trouble again, eh, Rogie? What happened, Midget? <laughs> you got hit on the head. <laughs> As usual. No, who hit me? I didn't see them. <laughs> it's a wonder you've lived so long, Rogie. Dumb as you are. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was a Dane that hit me, wasn't it? <laughs> was it? I remember the perfume. I remember getting a sniff of it just as you let me have it. <laughs> That's you, Chief. Sniffing when you should have been ducking. <laughs> oh, oh, my head. Oh, you'd think I'd get used to this, but I, I don't, do I? <laughs> you know, Rogie, you haven't time to talk with me tonight. Get back downstairs. Oh, just let me rest a while, will you? Oh, can't. Over the side with you. Please, don't push me, please. I'm tired. Over you go. Come on. You got some trouble to straighten up down there. Over you go. Over the side. Look out. Look out. Oh, here I go again. I could hear voices fading in and out. I couldn't focus my mind's eye on them, but I listened without quite knowing what it was all about. Oh, oh, Miss Rogue. Please, please, wake up. Sandra, don't move. I see you and I have you covered. All right. I'm not moving, Mr. Wood. What are you doing? Who's that lying there? It's Richard Rogue, the detective. Oh, Rogue, huh? What happened to him? I, I knocked him out with his poker. I thought it was you. You followed me when I left the house, huh? Yes. I was going to try to kill you. Really? How interesting. Instead of that, you fixed it, so I'll have to kill Richard Rogue. We'll return to our story in just a moment. But first, I'd like to tell you that one of Hollywood's foremost hairstylists remarked recently that most women do not shampoo their hair often enough. She pointed out that movie stars' hair is frequently shampooed every day because they know that beautiful hair must be kept sparkling clean at all times. Now, you're probably thinking, isn't it hard on hair to wash it so often? Doesn't it become dry and difficult to manage? The answer is no, not if you use Fitch's saponified coconut oil shampoo. Thousands of women in the United States and Canada have found they can wash their hair as often as they like with this shampoo, and their hair is always soft lustrous and easy to set. Fitch's saponified shampoo does not dry the hair because it's made from mild coconut and vegetable oils. These pure natural oils are kind to your hair. It makes swirls of rich, fragrant lather that rinses out completely, for Fitch's saponified shampoo contains its own patented rinsing agent. Just rinse with plain water, and the rinsing agent goes to work to remove all remaining particles from your hair leaving it soft and full of natural highlights. You can get a generous six-ounce bottle of Fitch's saponified shampoo for 50 cents and the economical 16-ounce size for $1. Use it often to keep your hair shining and lovely. (laughs) 
Now back to Rogue's Gallery. Richard Rogue is telling our story. I was telling you about the time the Somaliland diamond was stolen from the home of wealthy old gem collector James E. Lee. The insurance company put me on the case, and I went out to Lee's secluded country mansion, but uh, got no place. He wouldn't even talk to me about the robbery. I left, uh, picked up a few more clues, and returned. I was walking across the lawn in a pea soup fog when I was knocked unconscious by Sandra Lee, the old man's granddaughter. And when I returned to consciousness, I I played possum and listened to the conversation between Sandra and uh, John Wood, a mysterious house guest of the Lees. So you followed me when I left the house, huh? Yes. I was going to try to kill you. Instead of that, you fixed it, so I have to kill Rogue. Do you think that would be smart? He doesn't know anything. No? Come on, help me carry him into the house. There's a certain permanence about being killed that made me act deader than a ghost town on Monday night. I was as limp as a wet sock when they picked me up and carried me into the house. Wood, who was a very strange house guest, lifted the rod out of my shoulder holster before they laid me out on the divan in the study. Old Mr. Lee was very upset when he saw me. He... He immediately started patting my hands while Wood poured some very good brandy down my throat. I was in no hurry to face facts, but eventually I figured that one more sip of brandy would be overdoing it, so I snapped out of it. Coming out of it. Oh, Oh, what happened to me? Oh, my head. Oh, dear, I knew something like this would happen. I hit you. I didn't know who you were. should know better than to be caught prowling around the lawn up here after what happened last night. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. What did you hit me with? A poker. Oh. Sandra, I don't know what your father would say. What were you doing on the lawn at this time of night, Rogue? You're lucky you didn't get shot, you know that? Yeah, yeah, I suppose I am. Oh, well, I I didn't think of that. Uh, Could I have another drink of that brandy? It makes me forget my headache. Of course, Mr. Rogue. Here you are. Ah, thanks, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, that's... uh... Wrong. And you know, Mr. Lee, I, I came back to tell you I, I've got the deal figured. What do you mean? I mean, well, Mr. Lee, you told me that your other granddaughter, Virginia, had gone gone back to her school. Yes. I called Mrs. Whipple's school and found out she wasn't due back until Monday. Yes? Oh, you called the school? She wasn't there? That's right. So right away, I knew why you were so anxious to get me to drop the case today. You've got it all figured out, haven't you, Rogue? Sure. I'm right, aren't I? Virginia, your granddaughter, eloped with a thief. That's right, isn't it, Mr. Lee? I, uh, guess we might as well admit it to you, Rogue. Nothing else we can do. Is there, Mr. Lee? No, I, I guess not. Now, that's not for publication, you know, Rogue. We'll make it worth your while to forget it. Won't we, Mr. Lee? Why, of course. If you say so, Mr. Wood, I it, mean... Uh, it'll cost you. Uh, I'm not in business for my health. For a thousand bucks, I forget what I know. That would be satisfactory. <laughs> You're something of a louse, aren't you, Rogue? <laughs> something. You can call me a loss if you'll give me that grand. You got that much in the house, Mr. Lee? I believe I have in the safe. You want me to get it for you, Gramps? You might as well get Mr. Rogue paid off and out of here. Now, that's the kind of talk I like to hear. Yes, Sandra. Will you get it for me, dear? So that's what you came back for, the shakedown. <laughs> you private dicks are all alike. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
For the first time since I'd been carried into the house, Wood was loosening up. My attempt at a shakedown had sold him on the fact that I was just a chiseler, and I could see the hand he had on that gun in his coat pocket relax a little. That brandy had given me a transfusion, and I was feeling all of my faculties falling back into place. I was tense as the east ring on a hyphet's fiddle, just as ready to play when I saw Sandra sneak in the door and grab up that poker she'd used so effectively on me. I figured it was my move. So I started to get up. I wanted to get Wood concentrating on me. Oh, you know, you know, I have, I think I've got a concussion. My, my head is spinning like a top. Look, uh, is his skin broken, Wood? I don't know and I don't care. Well, you can look, can't you? Come here. Better take it easy, Rogue. You're in no shape to make any sudden moves. No, oh, I, I just want to see if I can sit up. That's all. Now, look out! Take it, Sandra! I've got his gun arm. Let go of that. Oh, nice work, Sandra. Get his gun? Sure. He's got one of mine, too, that I want back. Sandra, how could you dare with Virginia? I had to do it, Grant. Give me a belt, will you, Mr. Lee? I want to use it to tie up this character's legs. He's one of the men who stole my diamond. He was with that crane man. They worked together. Here, I, I'm, a, I'm still a little confused. Sandra. Yes? Give me a handkerchief, will you? I want to gag our friend. Incidentally... I was conscious when you explained to him that you knocked me silly by mistake. Please, we must get to Virginia. Poor Virginia. We will, Gramps, we will. Just leave it to us. Where is Virginia? She's upstairs, with Crane holding a gun on her. Mm -hmm. She's been up there ever since five this morning. What? Well, here, here. Fill it in a little. What happened? These men came back here last I'll night, Miss... Gramps. Uh, you mean Crane and Wood robbed you and then came back here and hid out after they wrecked their car and couldn't get through the police blockade? Yes. Crane was wounded. They waited until the police were gone about five this morning, then they came in. Hmm. They kidnapped Virginia and held her in a room. Crane stayed with her, and Wood made us introduce him to the police and newspaper man all morning. Okay. House guest. Okay, okay. Now, this guy's all taken care of. Let's go get Crane. Where is he? He's in one of the front suites, upstairs. In a room that has windows out onto the porch? Yes, um, the first window at this end of the porch. All right, now listen. In exactly five minutes, you knock on the door to that room, right? This sounds dangerous. I shinned up the pillar at the far end of the porch, looked my rod over to see that it was in good working order, and then I inched over to the window of the room where Crane was holding Virginia. Virginia was tied in a chair. Crane was babying a bloody shoulder. I could hear them talking. Oh, I'd like to get my hands on that cup that got me in the shoulder last night. Too bad it was through the shoulder, Mr. Crane. It should have been through your heart. You know, I like you. I like my women with a lot of spirit. I may just take you with me when I make my break from here. You'll have to kill me first. Ah, company. Come in and keep your hands right on that tray. I'd hate to have to shoot a beautiful girl like you. I brought up some coffee. That's thoughtful of you. Keep your hands in the air and stay away from me. Don't take any chances, Sandra. This thing would rather shoot you than not. Drop that gun, Crane. My next shot goes right through your back collar button. Well, he dropped it. That's about the end of the story, except that I took the uh, Somaliland diamond from him and won the five grand reward, which I, uh, which I spent on Sandra Lee during the next few months. 
I thought some of asking her to marry me. And believe me, I, I think she was all in the mood to give me the nod. No, no, really, really. But I thought better of it and stayed single, making me one of those select eligible young men who has never made the same mistake once. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is Dick Powell again, ladies and gentlemen. Did you uh, miss the murder in tonight's story, or do you think we can get along without one once in a while? Ray Buffum wrote tonight's yarn. Leith Stevens composed, composed and conducted the music, and D. Engelbach produced and directed. Don't forget to tune in again next Thursday night. We're going to present an exciting story about a horse, a jockey, and a murder. We call it Last Race. So make a date with us, will you? Thanks for listening, and good night, all. Now, here's Jim Doyle. Don't forget to tune in again next Thursday, same time. Oh, and by the way, be sure to see Dick Powell in his newest RKO picture, Cornered, at your local theater soon. And as I was saying, don't forget to tune in again next Thursday, same time, same station, when you will again hear Dick Powell as Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery. Remember, if dandruff is your problem, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Removes dandruff the first time it is used. Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo is the only shampoo whose guarantee to remove dandruff is backed by one of the world's largest insurance companies. This statement can be made by no other shampoo. Ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo at your drug and toilet goods counter, barber, or beauty shop. Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. Case closed for this week. You can find more from Barry Craig, Rogues Gallery, past episodes of this podcast, and all the other Relic Radio podcasts at relicradio.com. Thousands of episodes to listen to there and to shoutcast stream with even more. Like to help support it all, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. You make it all possible. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.